Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Man, we're so excited that you have joined us for today's episode. Every single time we gather, uh, whether it's weekly or once a month, we, we have this mission. And our mission is to encourage and equip you as a local church leader to be a disciple that makes disciples. And we really believe today's episode is going to do just that. We've got somebody returning to the podcast. We're excited about a good friend of ours. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to encourage you, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whether that's on the, your favorite podcast listening app, whether you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe, uh, however you do that. We want to be in your regular rotation because here's what I found. Podcasts that I subscribe to, I listen to regularly. Those that I don't subscribe to, I may listen to every now and then. And we don't want you to miss a single episode because we believe that uh, this is going to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And look, we're going to be upfront and honest. We don't make money from this podcast. We're not doing this to make money. We do this to really encourage and equip leaders. So we want you to encourage and equip leaders and we want others to hear about it too. So help us do that. Now, here's today's conversation. Guys, we thank you so much for joining us this week. It's a special episode. We have a return guest who's not just a guest. He is a friend. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's one of the handful of guys that probably could come on and be a co-host with us on this podcast because uh, we we love Dr. Robert Mullins. He is the lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Elmore, which is in central Alabama. He heads up uh, the Passion Tree Network, which is a organization that encourages and networks pastors and and helps them, and uh, uh, he has been involved with Mark and I uh, for a while. As a matter of fact, through uh, Robert's ministry, Mark and I actually met. So right. uh, we have a lot to be grateful for for Robert's life and influence on us. So, Robert, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. Man, thanks for having me. I am excited to be here today. I love you guys. And I echo all those sentiments, but, you know, God's doing all that and weaving us together. And it's fun to, to be a part of that stuff. Absolutely. So uh, for those maybe who are new to the podcast, haven't been following along, episode six is the first time that Robert was on our podcast. So you might want to go back and listen to episode six. Awesome episode. But he's also been on three other episodes as a part of either a group talking about crazy stories in ministry or a panel discussion. Those are episodes 70, 82, and 86. And so now here we are back in this episode, and uh, we're, we're excited to have you. So, I mean, God's been doing so much in your life. Um, if we talked about everything that God has been doing in your life and ministry, uh, mm -hmm. Robert, we'd be here for days probably. But one theme that I think God has kind of used over, over, over and over in your life and ministry in your church and, right. and outside your church even is this idea of encouragement. And so you have a passion to encourage other people, which is one of our passions too. So talk a little bit how God has used that in your life and ministry and really what you've learned and, and how God has used your ministry to encourage others. Sure. Um, wow. Encouragement is so important, obviously in scripture, Paul talks about it all the time. Um, Jesus is walking with people. He encourages them, especially down and out and all those sorts of things. And the reality for me is I had a few rough patches. Um, I had a few places in ministry that were painful, uh, that were hurtful, that I was um, 
you know, if it hadn't been for people literally reaching down to pick me up, I don't know if I'd still be in it. Um, and that's just the, the nice clean version of some rough patches. Right. And so the, I think it was when I had, uh, was going through one of those times as an adult and as a, you know, one was in college and one was, uh, as an adult with the family and children and those sorts of things, that one thing that immediately happened to me was somebody who'd been in those shoes, who'd been in that same place, lived in the community with me, knew them, knew we were friends. Um, he and his wife came to our home and like that night when I, when I learned all the things that were happening in my surroundings and circumstances that evening, he, he was there with her and they had one intention and that was to love on us and make sure that we didn't even go in the water, let alone drown. And, um, they did it. I mean, I'll never forget that evening of encouragement. And uh, obviously it was a down and out place, but there are days where we just need encouragement. I mean, there are days where we feel like we're going to quit, that we're going to, uh, you know, it, it could be a good, I mean, th things could be good and they could still be overwhelming, you know, right. and we just need that encouragement. And I, everybody knows COVID and everybody knows all these things. So, you know, one of the hearts that I have is to, to for pastors and it's for encouragement to them. But everybody needs encouragement. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen um, encouragement. Oh, what's the book? Um, anyway, it's a John Maxwell encouragement book. And it's just a little kind of, kind of read through coffee table book. But in the beginning of it, it says there's a quote, who needs encouragement? Everyone. Mm -hmm. And everyone that breathes uh, is the answer. And that's a Truett Cathy quote. And, uh, you know, my goodness, aren't you encouraged when you go to Chick-fil-A? I mean, it's just a blessing, right? Encouragement and, changes everything. That's the name. And that's it. That's it. Encouragement changes everything. And uh, I had a friend, a very close friend, uh, gave me that. One of my workers, when I was uh, a youth pastor, gave me that book and said, hey, man, this just reminds me of you. I want mm. you to have this. Da, da, da. And that meant a lot to me. You know, that encouraged me. So it just changes things. It just it really does. It changes everything, just like the book title says. And by the way, I'm not getting paid from them. OK, or two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, no, I you know. It's just uh, something we need. And even in this circle with the three of us, I've gotten phone calls from you, uh, both of you at different times. I've called you or texted you or whatever. And, and that's what matters. The way I put it to, to my church when I'm preaching is this. If the Holy Spirit ever prompts you to encourage someone, stop what you're doing and do it. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the biggest lie that we say to one another in the church? I'll pray for you, hmm. you know? And, and, and what we've started trying to do is to stop everything and pray right there, you know, wherever it is in the hallway, at the school, at the Walmart, whatever, uh, or text message when God puts that on your mind. Um, so I, I think it's matters, you know, Paul in, in scripture, I think there's 66, we call them the one another isms and, um, you know, those things are written there literally for encouragement in Hebrews in chapter 10, Verse 23, it says that we're to encourage one another more as the day of Christ is approaching. And what it says there is that so we would be uh, spurning one another onto acts of good deeds and love. Now, that basically means, as I read it, that we're responsible for one another's attitudes. Mm. And that's pretty strong. And so uh, we get to come alongside and encourage and um, all those sorts of things. So it's real important. Um, you know, what we have learned during COVID is that a lot of pastors 
uh, are quitting. We know in our culture in the world today, there's the great resignation. Well, let's think, let, think about it just a second. So the great resignation is happening in the secular world. Those people are going to go to another secular job, right? They would maybe go from a salesman to, you know, say, say they're working at a restaurant, then they would go to a car dealership or they would go to uh, whatever, okay, a retail, whatever. So they'll go from one secular thing to another. I'm tired of this job or whatever. What happens in the ministry? When people say, I'm going to quit this church, why are you quitting the church? Well, I'm tired. They're, they're doing this, that, and the other. They're not as likely to go back into another church. They're likely to quit and go yep. into that secular market. Yep. So the difference between the church world and a pastor leaving and resigning and the secular world is that pastor's leaving a church pulpit empty and the flock without a shepherd. Okay. And so there's this chasm that's opening. We're seeing it everywhere of every ministry position becomes really hard to fill. And so that is a, um, I think maybe a danger flag that we need to wave at the church saying, Hey, let's watch how we treat people. Let's watch how we treat our pastors. And the, the scripture tells us to give them double honor. And, um, you know, even to obey them because they're going <clears> to, <throat> they're going to be the ones to give an account. And that's a real deal. So we got to encourage folks, pastors, church folks, everybody around us. So Robert, you're not just saying that you do that. You're an encouragement to Mark and I, and we, yeah. we appreciate that. And we have, we have uh, common friends uh, in our lives, brothers in Christ who challenge us and encourage us. And, and we're grateful for that. And we forget what a gift that is from God, a gift of grace to us to be encouraged by uh, fellow brothers and pastors. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's tough out there. It's not easy. Uh, a lot of times when things are, are not going well, uh, people forget that uh, a pastor, if he's struggling, uh, if he, he can't just go to another church, he's got to go find another church family, just like if they were to leave the church and go That's find right. another church family. So, so there's great uh, hope in knowing that, that we get to do that. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's a big event uh, coming up pretty soon in our state where you've made that the theme. Tell us a little bit about the Alabama Pastors Conference and why you felt like it was it was such a needed thing to encourage pastors in our state right now at this time. Well, um, <clears throat> so I was nominated, I think, 2019 as what we do is kind of rotate into being the president of the conference. And this year I am. Uh, the president of the Alabama Baptist Pastors Conference, and um, we uh, worked together uh, kind of on a rotating basis, and one of the things we did two or three years ago was say we wanted to really change the kind of the format that we're doing, and we want it to be not just a preach-off, as a lot of pastors' conferences are, which, you know, that's what they decide to do, great, but we decided we wanted to make it more relational, more conversational, and more encouraging, and so um, we started last year at First Baptist Decatur. Blake Kersey's their pastor. He did a wonderful job of leading that, making some big changes. This year is a little different. What we've tried to do, um, being the pastor's conference at his church, was convenient. And um, it was also, uh, he kind of had the army, if you will, uh, under his command that was able to do all the things they needed to do to, to pull off this really great large event. Well, to make it sustainable, we had to make some changes um, and, and for us, we're just making a few things, but the point this year that God really put on my heart was encouragement. And, um, some examples are, um, pastor Ken Adams is speaking. Ken Adams is in the disciple making circle. 
for sure their church in Noonan, Georgia is doing a great, uh, unbelievable job in making disciples at Crossroads Church. And, um, uh, you know, the typical thing for Ken to come in and speak on would be a disciple-making pastor. Well, God put on my heart, said, Ken's the right guy, but I want him to talk about something else. So he's going to be talking about abiding in Christ. And so those are kind of, it's kind of a more introspective look as you as a pastor and how this encouragement that you need to press on and move on. Last year, we literally had comments come back the week after the conference that I was about to quit. And mm-hmm. this, this conference really gave me the, the, the fresh breath to move on, the wing beneath my wind beneath my wing kind of mentality to, to make it. And, you know, that's our goal. Um, the team, we've worked hard. Uh, Matt Haynes from Decatur is uh, the vice president this year. And um, um, Daniel Atkins from Taylor Road in Montgomery is the uh, president-elect. And we've worked hard to come up with some thoughts. Uh, Richard Ritchie's there as a standard guy that sees the treasurer and makes it all happen. And uh, so we worked hard for this, and that is to make it sustainable and make it encouraging. If one pastor walks out of there, now I know that sounds like preacher talk because, you know, the one person thing, right? Uh, but really, if one pastor, think about it, decides to stay in it, you know, longer because of this conference, then we've succeeded because that means there's still a church that's got a shepherd. And so um, that's our goal is to encourage people to stay in it, whatever that means. There's going to be some people that go, you know what, it's time for me to make a change and hope. And the change that we wanted to make is to say, God, where do you want me to serve you as pastor? And so we want to encourage them to stay in it, whatever that looks like. And so the day is set up to where it could be a day of refreshing for every pastor that comes there. Uh, There's a meal um, at lunch, and then we've got a supper for churches of smaller than 150 or bivocational situation with pastor. And you can sign up on the website and all that sort of stuff. So we're real excited about it. We've just got some great communicators coming in, great pastors. And then uh, we'll close the night with a guy named Fred Luter from New Orleans that uh, he could probably be the grand poobah of encouragement for the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, he is just a delight to literally talk to on the phone and the energy and excitement of Jesus comes through that. Uh, so he can be that encouraging on the phone. I can't wait to hear him uh, preach that sermon. So um, anyway, it's going to be a great day. Thanks for asking. I think that's awesome. I think that's, that's going to be an incredible event. I'm excited that I'm in Alabama and I get to be a part of that. Um, I want to ask you about some other things and, and we may or may not get to some of the challenges you've, you faced and speaking of encouragement, some things you've dealt with, you know, staff change, turnover, things like that. But before even we get there, I want to ask you about this because in the middle of all that, in the middle of, of a capital campaign, in the middle of building project, in the middle of staff change and turnover, all this stuff going on at your church, you were able to take a sabbatical um, and you, you stepped back and, and kind of took some time. We've got a lot of pastors. Let's be honest. They've heard that word. They don't have a clue what that means. They don't know how that works. They don't, it's not in their plan, but I think it should be because we're talking about encouragement and refreshment and abiding in Christ. Like you just mentioned, I think for pastors and and church leaders, that's so important. So tell us a little about what you experienced and how that came about. Yeah. Let's talk about how it came about first. Um, When, when I left my previous church, our pastor had encouraged us to take sabbaticals and, um, one of the things that I had done when I got to the church I'm serving now, which is Crossroads, when I got there, it was Mount Hebron, and um, 
I kind of negotiated terms, if you will, when I got there that at five years, I would have a sabbatical and it was agreed upon. Well, at five years, when it happened, it had not been, it was agreed upon, but it had not been uh, communicated well with the church. So uh, when at five years, um, it didn't really happen and it kind of, kind of fell, you know, just loose and had a little extended time off, but nothing major. And uh, so, and it was just kind of not a good time uh, at the church. And so you kind of have to watch how things are going. Um, this time I felt in, in my spirit, in my heart that um, we needed to begin really working on this. Sabbatical is an interesting thing. So sabbatical, generally you have, you have a pastor come back from sabbatical and say, okay, it's time for me to go. <laughs> it's time for me to leave. And or they come back and say, it's time for me to reboot. It's time for me to re-up and, you know, go the next leg and the next level and see what happens um, generally. So last year um, we had our worship pastor, Kevin, he took a sabbatical, which was well-deserved at 10 years and had an incredible um, time off there. God was calling him somewhere else during that sabbatical. And so he got a lot of clarity from that. Mm -hmm. um, read a Joel Mom book, which I know he's been on the podcast, uh, Guided by Thunder, and that little short mm -hmm. story wrecked his life. And so he began to, to say, okay, God. And so he he actually left when he came back. And um, and I, I was mad at him. I said, man, you just <laughs> my sabbatical, man. Uh, no, they're never going to let me have one now. And, uh, but um our church is gracious and kind, and uh, they did. I had a nine-week sabbatical, which was two two months. It was June and July, um, which for me was the perfect time. It was it was a perfect block of time. Uh, the time the thing about it was it allowed me to really kind of de detox, if you will, uh, separate myself from the church for a little bit. Um, no, the church was very respectful, uh, no phone calls, no emails, all that kind of stuff. I did the whole out of office email thing. Um, didn't check stuff. I was, I just, I tried to, uh, create text that said I'm out of the office and you know, that sort of stuff. And, um, once the word got out that I was not going to be accessible, then, um, people at church started stepping up. Well, you know, um, and so that was really, our staff just did a wonderful job. Uh, during that time off, but the sabbatical was um, interesting and hard and wonderful and all those things. So we started with a vacation. I can do a vacation. I know how to do that. Went to the beach. It was wonderful. We went to a very kind of secluded beach, one that's that's not as populated, say, as Panama City or Gulf Shores or whatever. And it was really nice. It was exactly what Pam and I needed uh, for that. And one thing that I would suggest, I, well, it, it just worked for us. Pam and I did everything together. She's mm -hmm. a school teacher and I'm a pastor. So we didn't, we don't always get to go to, she never gets to go to conferences with me. You know, we never get to do some stuff. So we literally decided during sabbatical that I wasn't going to go do anything by myself. Now there could be a time where you need to say, go to a Billy Graham school or whatever, the, the Cove or something for, for a personal spiritual retreat, just depending on where you are as a pastor, uh, as a leader. But for me, it was important to do everything with her. And we started with vacation, came home. It was, I found it was harder to be at home uh, because at home we have to-do lists, right? And we have all these things. And so um, I came back in and, and worked myself hard for two days in the shed, cleaning up and doing things. And on the third day, I could not get out of bed. Like I could not, guys, I can't, 
tell you, I couldn't walk. I couldn't, I made it to the chair, to my, to my recliner and kicked the legs up and with a cup of coffee and I couldn't move. I told Pam, I said, I, I don't know what I did. I can't move. Like I'm in some crazy shock or something. And y'all, I heard the voice of the Lord just whisper as gentle and as kind to me and just say, I can make you rest, mm. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't doing it. And I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And that was carve out the time to be with him. And so from then on, and thank goodness it was early, um, but I learned that lesson early and I had a wonderful time of spending two to three hours with God a day in my chair, unhurried, not Mm. going through some curriculum or something. Mm -hmm. I read some incredible books. I, I, I mean, I even read an Ann Voskamp book. I went and asked my wife. I said, "What's the best women's <laughs> book out there? I need something a little good of diversity in my life." And uh, so I even read an Ann Voskamp book, and mm-hmm. I learned how to say things eloquently in about four pages that equate. And Tommy walked into the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, and so it was. It was really good. It, it was good. I, I got in touch. You know. But um, it was a great time. One of the greatest things I loved, and I, you can only do this on sabbatical, okay? So I had the time off, and I went to six churches uh, of people that I love, respect, whatever, and um, was, was a part of worship services that day with a pastor that either I respect a lot or I know a lot, you know? And so, um, man, I just, one of the greatest pastors I heard was James Lewis, um, who's been at his church a long time in, in the Hernando, Mississippi area. I was up visiting my son and they joined the church that day. And he was just an incredible preacher, just so loving, encouraging on his folks while he was preaching the word, man. And just, just uplifted my soul. Um, we had a chance to go to First Baptist Decatur. The last church we visited was First Decatur. And um, Blake, the pastor that I mentioned earlier, that was, I served that church when I was straight out of seminary as a youth minister. And so it'd been 20 years since I'd been there and um, 25 years since I started there. And they called us up and prayed over us and prayed for our church and everything at the end of the service. Didn't know they were going to do that. And it was just a real sweet time, kind of confirmation for us. So the thing about sabbatical is this. You can't really see the fire when you're in the middle of it. Mm. Okay. You can't really see what all's going on around you. You can't see who's trying to put it out and who's trying to make it bigger. Um you know, you're kind of in the middle of it. And so to be able to step back, to evaluate the circumstance, to see what's really going on, I think that's what sabbatical is. God really challenged me with Sabbath, um, still has been. Uh, Pre-show, we were talking and I said, you know, God has really taught me and Pam together about margin. Um, You know, Pam's a school teacher and every year I've known her teaching, she's, you know, she's leaving as fast as she can to get to that class before the whatever but now she's waking up a lot earlier like a lot earlier mm. you know, or 40 in the morning mm. and uh she's getting up earlier and she's getting to school and she's got margin to go talk to people she's got margin to go mm. encourage the other teachers on the hallway mm. all that kind of stuff before she gets her day going and it changes things so i credit sabbath with that sabbatical with that um gave us a different perspective so i think every pastor should do it more importantly, I think every church should do it for their pastors and their ministers, and I think they should do it for all their ministers. So, um, you know, I like the five, 10-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan, or seven-year plan, whatever it is, but 
it's got to be worth it. You can't tell a pastor they're on sabbatical for two two weeks and say, you know, here, enjoy this sabbatical because you you don't have time to unplug in that time. I think a month is probably minimal um, for a, for a solid sabbatical. Um, I've heard sabbaticals up to three months for pastors. Um, so it just, just depends on the church and the situation and everything like that, maybe what they're going to do. Um, there's stuff all over, over the internet of ideas that, you know, you can get, but it was really good and I highly encourage it. That's awesome. I, I, before Andy um, closes us here, I, I want to say I, I'm planning mine for next year. So I'm yeah. like, I'm writing down notes as we talk here. Oh yeah. My brother has been the example. He's actually been on the podcast, but he takes a sabbatical every year. Okay. And he's been doing it for, it's kind of his rhythm. He takes a month off, comes to Alabama or to Florida and, and, and lives at the beach for a month every year. Mm-hmm. From Arizona, by the way. So that's right, cool. right. So yeah, that's and whatever, plan. whatever works. He's a solo right. pastor, so yeah, that's beautiful. I know a pastor here locally that takes, I think, the month of June off or July off, um, and does that. Yeah, that's good. A solid. Robert, you have encouraged us, you have informed us, and helped us today. But before we close, uh, maybe, maybe there's somebody watching or listening today. Maybe. Maybe they're on the end of they needed some encouragement today. They, they Maybe they are tired. Maybe they need some encouragement to take some time off or, or whatever. Or, or maybe they need some encouragement on how to encourage others. As we kind of close out today, if we had somebody sitting in the room with us right now who maybe they were a little burnout or tired or weary and they needed, to, they needed some, some soul encouragement and refreshing today, what would you say to them? Mm, wow. Um. Ephesians 2.10. And so to think that you have been created a masterpiece. Like, just let that sink in for a second. Like, even the guy you don't like. You know, that Mm. person that bothers you, they're a masterpiece to God. Like, God made them. Mm. And so I'd say that to him. I'd say, listen, you are God's masterpiece. He created you with great plans in mind and the power comes through Christ Jesus. And that's it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Look, you you are always an encouragement to us and um, there's so much more we could have talked about and we will one day on the podcast. We talk about it all the time together, but uh, we, we do, Andy mentioned it up front, but we appreciate you, your friendship, your encouragement. And uh, we're just so glad you've joined us. I know those, watching and those listening have been encouraged and equipped and uh, they're going to be better leaders. They're going to be better disciple makers because of this conversation. So thanks so much for joining us, Robert, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Love you guys. Love you too, brother. Yep, we do. We love you. And uh, for the rest of you, we love you too. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the church leadership podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 